Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode contains disturbing content and explicit language. Please take care while listening. In March of 2012... The LA Times reported that famed basketball star and pop culture icon Dennis Rodman owed over $800,000 in unpaid child support. Rodman faced potential jail time. The story created a frenzy in the press. The judge ruled the one-time star for the Lakers, Chicago Bulls, and Detroit Pistons, Rodman, is in contempt of court for failing to pay child and spousal support. And in response, Dennis Rodman's financial advisor told the L.A. Times, quote, In all honesty, Dennis, although a very sweet person, is an alcoholic. His sickness impacts his ability to get work. About a week later, Dennis Rodman appeared on the Today Show. People around you have said that you're sick, that you're not well, and, and they've talked specifically about your struggles with alcohol. How are you doing on that? <laughs> oh, I'm not sick, man. I mean... <laughs> People have been having those allegations about me since 1995. You've paid child support? I pay, yeah, I paid child support. One week, Rodman's financial advisor indicates that he's in serious financial trouble. But then Rodman goes on national TV to refute that claim. It was all a bit strange. Rodman was able to avoid jail time, but in May of 2012, he was ordered by the court to complete 104 hours of community service. Finally, in December of that same year, there was a court hearing to resolve the child support issue. But at that point, the narrative was established. It was already known that Rodman liked to party, but now he was portrayed as this irresponsible father who couldn't be bothered to pay for his children's living expenses. And it didn't help that his financial advisor continued to tell the press that Rodman was broke and sick. That was a devastating story about you know, Rodman is behind in his bills. And it was just a devastating, terrible story. This is Aston A.J. Bright. He goes by A.J. A.J. is one of Dennis Rodman's managers, and he's been with Rodman since around the year 2006. And as far as A.J. knew, Dennis Rodman was making those child support payments. So why did the Orange County Child Support Office claim that he owed almost a million dollars? The Orange County Child Support Office had me on speed dial. They would call me every month about where is the money? What is going on? Why aren't these things being paid? In July of 2021, I got an email tip about a story. The email indicated that many of the salacious headlines about Dennis Rodman in 2012 were misleading, or at least missing critical information. The real story takes some untangling, some digging. And it cannot be told without talking about Peggy Fulford. Peggy was a financial advisor and business manager with a business card and email signature that promised to help athletes build generational wealth. 
She was the CEO of King Management Group, a financial management company with a client roster that included top athletes in both the NBA and the NFL. When an athlete gets that big contract, it's extremely difficult to find someone they can trust to handle their money because they're under so much pressure. And all of a sudden, you've got a $50 million contract. Okay, now what do you do? Peggy commanded a room, a powerful woman in a male-dominated field. Her reputation was almost more legendary than the athletes she represented. She looked like the picture of success, a self-made millionaire who loved her clients like they were her own children. But Peggy isn't who she said she was. In December of 2016, to the heartbreak and dismay of those who knew her, Peggy was arrested. Those who saw her as a mother figure, as a fierce protector, and as a friend, were forced to ask the question, did I ever know Peggy at all? Peggy Fulford, Peggy King, Peggy Berard, Peggy Simpson, Cole, Devon Cole. She's got like six or seven aliases. It's hard to know what name to call her. When I first met her, she was Peggy King. I could never get a straight answer from anybody, and I tried for years. I still, to this day, don't know what the true situation was because I could never get a straight answer. For over a decade, Peggy gained the trust of professional athletes and managed to get control of their finances. Who is Peggy Fulford, really? And how did she make her way into the ironclad circles of the most elite? From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist. This is Season 5, Episode 1. Peggy Fulford, Dripping in Diamonds. I'm Hannah Smith. We would love it if you took a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and Apple Podcasts. And if you have a suggestion for the show, an opportunist that you want to hear us cover, you can write it in your review and we will see it. Thanks so much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're probably already aware of CAST's new true crime investigative podcast, Lost in Panama. But if you haven't caught up, new evidence and testimony has recently been uncovered in the most recent episodes. It is shining new light on this case. The first four episodes of the series set up the foundation of what is known about this case, including a deep dive into the suspicious tour guide, the mysterious photos, and the remains. But episode five launches a whole new direction of investigation into this case. 
A woman connected to the confirmed homicide of her own son tells us that she knows the same men responsible for her son's death are also responsible for Chris and Lasanne's deaths. Not only that, but she presents to our team a full, detailed story of exactly what happened, how the women were abducted and killed. And somehow, it all adds up. All the pieces start to fit together, or at least start to make more sense. As time begins to run out on the investigation, but with this major breakthrough in hand, the team in Panama must attempt to assemble a compelling enough theory of the case in order to push the Panamanian government to admit that there's more going on here than meets the eye. We need them to reopen this case so that a much closer look can be taken at all the new evidence coming to light and the families affected can finally find some closure all these years later. Will they do it? Listen to all episodes of Lost in Panama, available now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm recording. I've got uh, five by five over on my side. You know, I have to tell you guys that, uh, you know, I'm a very, very big fan I'm speaking with Aston A.J. Bright, or A.J. He's one of Dennis Rodman's managers. He works for Prince Marketing Group, a boutique marketing firm in the sports and entertainment industries with an impressive client list, including Magic Johnson, Hulk Hogan, Evil Knievel, and, of course, Dennis Rodman. Now, I want to note that Dennis Rodman did not agree to speak with me for this podcast, but I did speak with many people close to him. The only reason that AJ agreed to talk to me is that he feels that everything that happened with Peggy reflected badly on Dennis Rodman, and he wants to set the record straight. First of all, this kind of a situation plays right into the trope and the stereotype about athletes, that they're just stupid and they don't know anything. I can tell you that Dennis Rodman, he's incredibly smart. But the reason why I believe this happened was because he trusted her implicitly. She was in that very small circle. Getting into Dennis Rodman's very small circle of trust is not an easy task. Dennis Rodman is known as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, rebounding forward in NBA history. He's won five championships, two with the Detroit Pistons and three with the Chicago Bulls. When we think of 90s-era Chicago Bulls, we think of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. He's one of the players who formed and defined the world's growing obsession with basketball in the 80s and 90s. When someone was taking a shot in a game, he was counting the revolutions of the ball and doing like the calculus in his head. And he knew where the ball was going. Like that's his basketball IQ is like off the charts. But even those who know nothing about sports probably know the name Dennis Rodman. Dennis has always been like a crossover sort of guy. Like he was always in the news. You didn't just see his highlights. Like they were talking about him in People magazine and, and non-sports entities were covering him. In the mid-90s, Rodman started dyeing his hair wild colors, getting tattoos and piercings. This might seem pretty benign now, but in the 90s, it was unheard of in professional basketball, and it made Rodman stand out. In fact, in 1994, he caught the attention of Madonna at the peak of her fame. It was the same year she released her wildly successful album, Bedtime Stories, Madonna and Rodman dated for only two months, but those two months produced a decade's worth of headlines. 
1996, Rodman released an autobiography called Bad As I Wanna Be. And he showed up to the book signing at a Barnes & Noble on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan wearing a custom-made wedding dress. He claimed to be marrying himself. No one has ever heard of anything like that before. It was the biggest book signing they ever had. And he's just an incredible uh, cultural force, you know, coloring his hair and painting his nails and doing all these things, cross-dressing and things that athletes, pro athletes, would have never dreamed of doing. Rodman had a voice and he wasn't afraid to use it. In 1991, Magic Johnson announced that he was HIV positive. There was very little understanding of the disease at the time. And some in the NBA were worried about playing on the same court as Johnson. Dennis Rodman told the press, I couldn't care less if the guy I'm guarding has HIV. I'm going to slam him anyways. He played against Magic Johnson just as he would have anyone else. And then in 1995, he dyed an AIDS ribbon into his hair. Well, I think he sort of um, just tore down the barriers between the gay community and the straight community saying, you know, hey, we're all one community. This is James Davis, a longtime friend of Dennis Rodman's. When Dennis shaved an AIDS ribbon into his hair, the U.S. Post Office came out with a commemorative AIDS stamp a couple of months later, and someone referenced it in a, in a press interview that they had seen Dennis doing that. So he's done so many things to um, bring awareness to things that a lot of times would go unacknowledged. And yet, for all of the trailblazing that Rodman has done, it seems he has had just as many problematic reasons to be in the headlines. He once headbutted a mascot in a preseason game, He also disappeared to Vegas on a 48-hour bender in the middle of the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls season. Most concerningly, multiple women brought accusations of sexual assault against Rodman in the 90s. A cocktail waitress sued him, alleging he stuffed a $100 bill into her bra and then groped her. In 2004, Dennis Rodman was 43 years old. He was retired from the NBA and living in Newport Beach, California. He met Gigi around this time. Gigi just uses one name. Like Cher, she told me. She's an Orange County native, and she met Rodman through an acquaintance. They ended up dating for about 15 years. Gigi told me she never Googled Dennis Rodman when they met. Of course, she had heard of him, but she didn't know much. And she was surprised by how shy Dennis Rodman actually is. I could sit next to him for two hours and he wouldn't speak. And then as soon as I'd leave, he'd call. And he would call and talk. I mean, he literally had so much to say when it was on the phone, but when I was sitting next to him, he was just so quiet. When Gigi talks about the early days and her relationship with Dennis Rodman, she sounds like a teenager in love. We would go to dinner and there'd be a whole group of people sitting at the table and he'd get up to go somewhere and he'd come back. And as he'd come back, he'd pass me and like nudge me and put something in my hand. And then I'd look and it was a note. (laughs) And the note would say, you look beautiful tonight. You know, little sweet little things. Many people close to him that I've interviewed have mentioned that there are multiple versions of Dennis Rodman. Gigi has an interesting way of describing the complicated nature of Dennis Rodman. I like to tell people that if you've ever seen The Nutty Professor, that one 
really speaks volumes about Dennis, in my opinion, from my viewpoint. When I met Dennis and he was sober, he was Professor Klump. He was very unsure of himself. He didn't like the attention. If we were at a restaurant, he would literally hug the corners of the shadows of the building versus be seen. But eight months after they started dating, Gigi saw a different side to Rodman. About his birthday time in 2005, he and I had gone out a couple days after his birthday just to dinner. We went down the hill to one of our favorite restaurants and he said, I'm going to have a drink. And I said, okay, green tea, hot or cold, because we never drink. And he said, no, vodka cranberry. And so I thought, okay, I will have one with him. And uh, two, three, by the fourth drink, he was actually more animated and uh, was a little bit more loud. And I was like, wait a minute, is this the, the Dennis Rodman that everybody's been telling me about? They decided to spontaneously drive to Las Vegas that night. Gigi drove the car as Dennis Rodman sang Pearl Jam, his favorite band, at the top of his lungs. They ended up staying in Vegas for about three days. And Gigi said she couldn't keep up with Rodman's partying. Well, after that, it was like Professor Klemp drank the potion and he turned into Buddy Love. And Buddy Love never went away. And I could never get Professor Klemp back. The Nutty Professor is a 1996 movie starring Eddie Murphy. He plays Professor Klump, a nerdy chemistry teacher who drinks a potion that turns him into a handsome, confident version of himself called Buddy Love. Buddy Love becomes corrupted by his own vanity. It's a remake of a 1963 film starring Jerry Lewis. But this comedic Jekyll and Hyde tale, that is how Gigi understands Dennis Rodman. I think he's just really an introvert, to be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like he's not that confident with himself, whereas if he starts drinking, then he has more confidence. Gigi spent many years after that hoping to get back the quiet, sober Dennis Rodman. But it never really happened. And the buddy love version of Rodman was causing problems. He started having parties at his house in Newport Beach late into the night, most nights. Rodman's longtime friend, James Davis, spoke to me about this time. He lived in a beautiful house on a beautiful street, right on the ocean. But he was having parties all the time and the cops were being called out all the time. The LA Times reported that the cops were called to his house on 80 different occasions over the course of him living there. When we'd go out to dinner, thinking it was going to be a calm night, we'd be back home watching TV. That's what all my thoughts were. Well, wrong. Detour, you go to a strip club. Next thing you know, 10 people are hanging on. Then you go to another bar. Next thing you know, you're at the house, and you're all out sitting on the patio, or you're out on the beach, and you have a fire going, and you're drinking, and the next thing, cops are there. Shut it down. Well, they shut it down for 15 minutes, turn the music back up. The neighbors got really sick and tired of that fast. When I spoke with James, he told me what many people said who are close to Rodman, that Rodman is incredibly kind and generous and sweet, but that he also has this other side to him, and that other side can be difficult to deal with. In 2007, Dennis Rodman wanted a change, a fresh start. He decided to move away from Southern California. I think he was feeling that the opportunities in L.A. were getting less and less. You know, people were saying he's not trustworthy. So he wanted to go to Florida and reinvent himself. And 
and I was all for it. You know, I wanted him to go and do that. And I really felt confident that he could do it because he's extremely intelligent. Rodman moved to Miami while Gigi stayed in Southern California with the idea that she would move eventually. And very shortly after his arrival, she started to hear him talk about someone new, a new business manager, someone named Peggy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. When Dennis Rodman moved to Florida, he already had a business manager, someone who paid his taxes and managed his investments, essentially someone that took care of everything financial for him. You have to understand something. He doesn't pay his own bills and he's just very insulated. He's very well managed. He's very well wrangled. He doesn't deal with a lot of the day-to-day mundane stuff that you and I and most people deal with. He probably hasn't opened a piece of mail in probably 15, 20 years. He just doesn't do it. He has he has people that handle that for him. And there's accountants and there's people that just, you know, they take care of it. He puts that trust in his people and they're supposed to handle it for him. And this is not unique to Dennis Rodman. It's very typical for professional athletes or celebrities or just anyone with a significant disposable income. But in particular, professional football and basketball players will have business managers The average retirement age for the NFL is only 27 years old. And it's more common for athletes in the NBA to play into their 30s, but it's not guaranteed. Many athletes' earning ability reduce dramatically once they stop playing their sport. There's a couple of reasons for that. When it comes to NFL players, they all wear helmets, so most people don't really know who they are. People don't know their face. So NFL players fade away very fast. Basketball players... They don't really have a lot of staying power either, mostly because they're athletes. They're just known for their athletic gifts. But that is not the case for Dennis Rodman. Rodman is a pop culture icon, which has made him very marketable. He's had deals with Nike, Converse, Upper Deck, Topps Trading Cards, and more. He's appeared on reality TV shows and traveled all over the world, getting paid to speak at events and host basketball games. This is a man who hasn't played basketball in 22 years It is incredibly unique for a person to be out of professional sports for over 20 years and still have tremendous earning power. 
As one of Rodman's managers, AJ handles Rodman's deals. Anytime Dennis Rodman is offered a job, a sponsorship deal, anything, it all goes through AJ. But AJ has to know Dennis Rodman's business manager because that is who he sends the checks to. Around 2007, AJ Bright got a call that Dennis Rodman had found a new business manager, someone local in Florida. Dennis called me and said, hey, I have a new business manager and I'm going over to talk to her about some things. I want you to come and meet her. So I uh, went over to Peggy's house. Peggy had a house in the Coral Ridge subdivision of Fort Lauderdale. Coral Ridge is one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in South Florida. Peggy's house was beachfront on a street lined with huge homes with their yachts docked in back. And she's got all these cars, Maseratis and Bentleys and BMWs, Range Rover all in the driveway. There was a grand piano in the entryway, a winding staircase, even an elevator. The wealth was visible, and it was everywhere. Needless to say, it's a pretty good resume for someone who's about to manage your finances. And I walk in, and I see Peggy. She makes this grand entrance coming down her little winding staircase. And she's like, hey, you know, how you guys doing? And it was like a scene out of a movie. What was your impression of her in that first meeting as you talked with her and got to know her? So when I first met Peggy, I had mixed feelings about it. I didn't really know her, but some of the things she was saying just never didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but I didn't really think much of it just because, you know, I see her in this big house. She's got these, you know, all the trappings of success. One of the first things she told me and almost one of the first conversations I had with Peggy, she told me that she she graduated from Harvard Law School. And I don't know. I, again, I didn't think much of it, but I'm not sure I believed it. You know, she was sophisticated, but it was something was off. But Peggy was personable and warm, and she wasn't phased by all these powerful men literally towering over her. She was confident, yet loving. AJ described her as a little rough around the edges, which caught him off guard at first. For example, she was quick to use profanity. She cussed like a sailor, first of all which to me wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I use foul language as well, but it's very unusual for someone who is talking about business or dealing with things, cussing people out. I mean, like, she'll be talking about a deal or someone, oh, this motherfucker needs to do this. And like, it's that's a little unusual. But she was very nice. I have to say, very charming, very affable. She's very charismatic. She was funny. You almost took it as like a badge of honor when she would cuss you out for something because that's just like, that was just like her way. And she loved to call everybody baby. She's like, well, you know, baby, I uh, didn't have to do this or we had to do that. Peggy also had an impressive list of clients, other athletes who played in the NFL and NBA. Gigi came out to Miami for a visit and Rodman took her to meet Peggy, his new business manager. And then going to her home and, and seeing her just dripping in diamonds and the Bentleys and the, and the big house and, the, and the, it was immaculate and the furniture was such my taste. And I just, I loved it. You know, she was always put together. Um, and so I thought, wow. On top of being wowed by Peggy's taste and level of success, Gigi was optimistic that Peggy might just be exactly what Dennis Rodman needed. I was told that she was going to take over all of the um, financial aspects of it. She was going to get him more work. You know, she was close by. She could really monitor him and handle him. 
Handlers are common when it comes to celebrities. A handler is often the go-between person, smoothing things out between their celebrity client and the rest of the world. The term is a little infantilizing, but in truth, the job is necessary. When someone is so high profile that they don't even know who their cable provider is, chances are they need some handling. And Dennis Rodman could be a lot to handle. He's really unique and interesting and funny, and he's not easy to deal with sometimes. But Peggy seemed like she was up for the challenge. I know that he was just having a a real hard time with some of the work that he was being offered uh, because of the drinking. And I felt that she really had Dennis's back. I felt like she had her life together, that she could handle him, that she had experience with different celebrities, athletes. And so I, I felt confident with her. In fact, the more Gigi watched Peggy and Rodman interact, it seemed as if they had an almost mother-son dynamic. And I felt like Dennis was really trying, he wanted to impress her. He needed her affirmation, almost as if he needed his mother's affirmation. Like perhaps there was something there that reminded him of, of his mom or what he wanted from a mom. Dennis Rodman has publicly stated that his relationship with his mother has been rocky. He had a rough upbringing. He grew up in Oak Cliff, a low-income neighborhood in Dallas. And when he was 19, his mom kicked him out of the house. And even as a superstar, Rodman remembers what it was like to have nothing. We could be out walking around and as a homeless guy, and he would just hand him 100 bucks. I've seen him take his shirt off his back, give his shirt to a homeless guy. And he's walking around with no shirt now. You know, Dennis was homeless for two years. So he knows what it's like to live on the street. Dennis Rodman made his way from being a poor kid in Dallas to becoming the best defensive player in NBA history, a globally recognizable celebrity. When he was awarded the NBA Defensive Player of the Year Award in 1990, he broke down in sobs at the podium. He wrote about this moment in his book, Bad As I Want to Be, saying... I thought about how far I'd come and how many people helped me get there. When all that comes rushing back at me, I can't hold it in. He still had this, I'm just a nobody, whatever, some deep-seated emotional pain from growing up where he didn't feel loved or he didn't feel like he had the affirmations that he should have had when he was growing up or And here he was thrown into the NBA and he was getting all these accolades. All those accolades, he didn't feel like he deserved them. And even though he would be hand in hand with with Michael Jordan, of all people, or Scottie Pippen, he still felt like they were so above him that he couldn't stand next to them. Even as long as we were together, the times that we would be in there in the same room um, as these individuals he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't hang out for very long. He would want to go to a dive bar. Gigi wasn't the only one to observe Rodman's inner struggles. Rodman's friend Andy theorized that the larger-than-life persona that Dennis Rodman created was a way to combat his deep-seated social anxiety. I think that Dennis Rodman started with one personality that had social anxiety. That social anxiety created... Dennis Rodman that had tattoos and hair color and wore wedding dress because he thought it would push people away. But then he became a rock star and did not know how to handle never being able to go to Walmart the rest of his life. 
Peggy took responsibility for Dennis Rodman like a mother might. They would meet up for lunch, and she would ask him not to drink alcohol for that lunch, and he wouldn't. He would order an iced tea. She would go to events and red carpets with him, and she'd be his mouthpiece, his front person, which he liked, because again, he's very shy. She often got on to him about his drinking, and she would tell him to take a few days off, give it a rest. And then, let's say she showed up at his house, and he'd been on a bender with a friend. She'd cuss that friend out in front of everyone, make a big show of it, like she was being a protective mother, like she was being hard on him because of how much she cared. Dennis Rodman wasn't the only person that Peggy mothered. In fact, she had four children of her own, two of whom lived with her. But Peggy had a habit of taking care of other people and treating them as if they were her own children. And one of those people was Jimmy, or Jimmy Jams, as he was known. I'd never question her in my life. If she if she say jump, I'd say how high. You know, if I needed to do anything for her, she knew I was going to do it. In 2007, Jimmy was in his late 20s. Originally from New Jersey, he had moved out to Miami to try to be an actor. Then he met this guy, Elkin, and they became best friends. And Elkin kept telling him about his sister, Peggy. Peggy, Peggy, Peggy. I couldn't wait to meet this girl. You know, I was just so intrigued by, I already been to the house. I already seen the house. You know, they had a million dollars in cars in the driveways, like in the garage. Jimmy doesn't come from money. He told me that he grew up on white rice and cinnamon. In 2007, he was living paycheck to paycheck, hoping for a big break. And then he met Elkin. And then he met Peggy. And they clicked. It felt like a dream to be hanging out with these people who were so rich and powerful. But even more than that, he felt that he had found his family. He came to love Peggy like a mother. And then before I knew it, like, I'm living there. I'm in that house. Peggy went away to Europe. She said, listen, here's the keys to everything. Jimmy, I trust you now. You know, take care of my house. Take care of my kids. You know, you don't do drugs. You don't smoke that funny stuff. And well, I trust you. This is your home. Being given this responsibility meant a lot to Jimmy. Peggy relied on him. And he stepped up to the challenge. The fact that Peggy believed in him made him feel good about himself. And just as she did with Dennis Rodman, Peggy gave Jimmy a hard time if he partied too much. Peggy used to be like, oh, y'all got to stop drinking. Y'all are so ugly. You guys could be on top. You guys could all have a million dollars if you guys stay sober. You, Dennis, and Elkin. And Jimmy, now you're getting a little bit of of a belly. You need to go on a diet. I'm like, yo, like, this is how, like, she spoke to me, you know, like, like a mother, you know? I'm like, and then, and then I started calling her Big Moms. Big Moms, I got you. Like, she was Big Moms, man. Jimmy remembers Peggy doling out that tough love to Dennis Rodman as well. She would actually guide him to always strive for better and do better and stop drinking. You stink. Like, clean yourself up, D. Like, what are you doing? Oh, no, don't come over here drunk. Because Dennis would just show up at Peggy's house, like, drunk as a skunk. Start yelling and shit. Peggy would come downstairs. Start yelling at me and me and Elkin. We'll be sitting by the pool chilling on a Monday night, 11 o'clock. Dennis would come in like a tornado, start yelling at both of us. Then Peggy come downstairs with her hair net, in her pajamas and say, what the hell are you guys doing? Dennis, you can't come over here drunk like this. Just as she did with Jimmy, 
Peggy became like a mother to Dennis Rodman. AJ told me he thinks that's why Rodman put so much trust in her. I think Dennis trusted Peggy because she was really, really adept at understanding people's psyche and their psychology and understanding what they need and providing that for them. Dennis had a a very strained relationship with his mother and his sisters. So the women in his life, he had this strained relationship. And I think that she realized he needed like that, that sort of motherly, feminine love, so to speak. I think she knew and understood how powerful that could be in a person like Dennis, who feels very insecure about the other relationships he has with the women in his life. And I think she played on that. She was so good at figuring people out and understanding exactly what it is they needed. Peggy could make someone feel so special. Like when she was talking to you, you were the only one who mattered in the world. She urged those around her to do better, be better. And Peggy, surrounded by all that wealth, looked like she knew exactly what she was talking about. But how did Peggy get to Dennis Rodman in the first place? You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Peggy was able to get into the inner circles of athletes in the NBA and NFL. And once you're in the circle, the bond is virtually unbreakable. Here's AJ. You know, most top-level athletes who can make it into the NBA or make it to the NFL, they have been coddled and managed and wrangled from the time they were probably 12 years old. You've had colleges after them, agents after them. Everyone has been been whining and dining these people for a long time, always handling everything. And so they have a very small circle. There's a very small circle of people that they trust because there's also a lot of sharks out there who take advantage of them. So they don't really trust anybody. Rodman was no different. When he met Peggy, he had a very small circle of trusted individuals. Uh, Drake has a line on one of his songs, you know, my, my circle's getting so small, it's a period. Like, that's how small his circle of trust was. She was in that circle. He felt like he, needed, he could worry about other things. She's got it. So he just, he just trusted her. He trusted her. Peggy met Dennis Rodman and then became his business manager within a matter of months. How did this happen? How, in such a short amount of time, did Peggy become accepted into Rodman's inner circle? And why did he trust her so unconditionally? Rodman's friend Andy said that Peggy was hanging out with the right people in the right places. She was in a scene in Miami that you couldn't afford to be in. Like an invite only. 
They're like, how the, how the hell did Becky get into Nikki Beach with us? How was she a stone crab next to us? Miami has a reputation for fabulous clubs that are impossible to get into. For a city built on luxury, there is always an experience more exclusive, more VIP. And in the early aughts, Peggy was someone with access. So was, are those the kind of places where you have to pay a certain amount of money to even get in? They were inapproachable in Miami unless you're a recognizable celebrity. Andy has built a career on discretion. I'm not even going to use his last name. He handles security and privacy issues for clients like Bill Murray, Charlie Sheen, and Eddie Vedder, just to name a few. But his first client, the one who connected him to everyone else, was Dennis Rodman. I'm one of Dennis's closest friends, and I can't say that I had an actual job title, but I was Dennis's last line of defense. I've come to think of Andy's job as like a secret service for celebrities. People are always trying to come at celebrities, to access them, even trying to befriend the people that work for them. Because it's true that having an association with a celebrity opens doors. Part of Andy's job is to observe people from afar and to spot the fame seekers, the opportunists, the people who look at celebrities and all they see is money money that they want. And if Andy does his job right, he safeguards his clients, will never really be noticed. My nickname was The Ghost or The Vault. Because <laughs> they're both true. I was never there, but I know everything, and I'll never tell. Anytime Rodman steps out of his house, he is bombarded by people. And a lot of those people want something from him. Here's Rodman's friend James Davis again. What would you say is the most challenging aspect to being friends with Dennis Rodman? Um, the circus that surrounds him from time to time. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I can go to and be out with just him and I at his house or somewhere. But you walk outside and, you know, everybody wants to come hang out with him. And he, and he answers his phone and says he's where he's going. Oh, don't tell him. Don't tell him where we're going. What we're doing. Next thing you know, you turn around, you're in a restaurant. And there's 10 people there. And, you know, they're all ordering stuff. And well, who gets the bill? James, a.k.a. Elaine Lancaster, is a prominent drag queen. She was a reoccurring character on The Real Housewives of Miami from 2011 to 2013. Elaine has dealt with the fame effect herself. At one point in time, she was the most sought-after drag queen in Miami. Those famously inaccessible clubs? Elaine was offered VIP tables and complimentary bottle service. People flocked to befriend her, hoping to benefit off of her privileged position. So how do you know if someone is genuinely trying to be your friend or if they want something from you? Well, chances are if someone um, is attracted to the light after you're a celebrity, they want something. There's an angle. There's an association or it's called reflective light. They want to bask in the light that you generate. The same is true for Dennis Rodman. See, it's not incredibly difficult to meet Dennis Rodman. If you are in the right club in Miami, you might see him, you might say hi, and if he likes you, you may even hang out with him. Maybe you even become friends, join his entourage. Maybe you think you've made it, that you are in with Dennis Rodman. But the truth is, you are not. There is an inner circle whose job it is to protect and insulate Dennis Rodman. 
Andy is one of those people. He is always watching, especially those who get close to the inner circle. And he was watching on the night of a launch party for a new restaurant co-owned by NFL star Ricky Williams, one of Peggy's other clients. That's the night he met Peggy for the first time. And what is what did she look like that night? She looked like a million bucks. She was driving the right car. Well, she was driven in the right car. She was wearing the right jewelry, had the right clothes on. The other players that I knew in Miami at the time were talking to her. Typically, Andy's the guy in the background. Remember, he's discreet. As in, he doesn't even physically stand near his clients out in public or at events. That's because if someone is a fame seeker and they are targeting Dennis Rodman, they're also going to target his entourage. Get in with Rodman's friends, work your way up to Rodman. But the first night that Andy met Peggy, it was at an invite-only restaurant opening, and he was among friends. So he was a little more relaxed. The first interaction I have with her is while I'm actually standing with Dennis. That's so, so, so extremely rare. And it's a red flag. And I missed it. Peggy could see, plain as day, that Andy was someone to be won over. Peggy treated me, upon meeting me, like royalty. And it's a mistake I'll never make again. But she came in very soft, very welcoming. If you need anything, you call me first. The truth is, by the time that Peggy met Andy, she was already in. She had already been introduced to Rodman by a trusted friend. And that friend had met Peggy through another athlete, who was also trusted. By the time Peggy got to Dennis Rodman, she was in many different inner circles of trust. Once Peggy was able to cross over that threshold of gaining that trust, it's, it, they, they, they hold on to that because they believe she's in the inner circle and she's a trustworthy person. And once you're in the inner circle of one of the athletes, you can use that to try to branch out and get other athletes. A few months after meeting her, Dennis Rodman signed power of attorney over to Peggy. Prince Marketing Group began sending her all the checks that came in for Dennis Rodman. Peggy's job as a business manager was to pay all of Dennis Rodman's bills, including his rent, utilities, taxes, child support payments, etc., and then to invest the rest of the money. She put him on a monthly budget. And she always came back to the same sentiment. Creating generational wealth. That was the goal. Oddly, what was unclear was how or even if Peggy herself was getting paid. Dennis told me she was supposed to make 10% of whatever his bills were, but it was never entirely clear. I never saw a document. Peggy told me she wasn't charging him anything. She was making money off of uh, commissions on the investments. AJ tried to get a clearer picture of their arrangement, but it only led to more questions. It was so ambiguous. I could never get a straight answer from anybody. And I talked to Dennis and he would say, oh, well, you know, she's handling my stuff and I'm paying her to handle it. I go, well, how much are you paying her? Like he could he could never really communicate to me what was the arrangement. Because I would ask Peggy, like, Peggy, what is the arrangement you have? Where are all the documents? Where are all the bank statements? Where? And she would always have an answer for everything. A few months after Dennis Rodman hired Peggy, AJ asked her to meet with a friend of his. I had a buddy of mine who worked for a private investment bank have a meeting with her. According to AJ, this friend puts together real estate deals for the uber wealthy. So AJ wanted him to connect with Dennis Rodman. 
He thought maybe they could get a good investment deal going. Of course, he would have to go through Rodman's new business manager, Peggy. And he went and met with her and he called me right after. He's like, she couldn't explain any of the investments because she always claimed that she was investing some of his money in some overseas investment. So when he went and tried to ascertain, okay, well, exactly what are you doing? This is what we can do. Like, how are you handling it? She just couldn't speak to on a very competent level as to like finance. She just didn't understand like basic finance. So there's no way she was investing this money because she couldn't even explain what she was doing, nor did Dennis ever get any reports. This was concerning to AJ. And over the next few years, his concern would continue to grow. What was Peggy up to? He had a feeling that she was not investing money at all. So eventually, AJ raised the issue to Dennis Rodman. And he would just kind of blow it off. Well, you know, Peggy's handling it. And again, I didn't handle the money. So I was so busy with so many other things because not only was I doing stuff for Dennis, I was working for a lot of the other clients. I'd have, you know, Magic Johnson's coming into town. I got stuff going on with him. I got to do stuff with Larry Bird. There's all this stuff. It wasn't my lane, you know, and I so every now and again, I would get pulled into it. But it wasn't what I focused on. It wasn't what I did. In the busy world of sports management, life can be chaotic, and managers are siloed off to very specific realms of business. Peggy came to rely on this chaos. She was, like, the best at saying the check is in the mail. Like, that that was, like, her... She always was like, oh, I sent it from the wrong account, or, oh... This wire didn't come in, or, oh, someone at the bank didn't, whatever. The bank closed early. When it came to Peggy, Dennis Rodman didn't ask questions. He loved her, and he trusted her. Trust is a powerful thing. Unconditional trust is a very powerful thing. And it takes time to earn. Rodman was not Peggy's first client, nor was she new to the game of professional athletes when she met him. She had had years of practice, each new client increasing her access and her power. The question is, how did Peggy get started? That's next time on The Opportunist. You know, Travis Best, Lex Hilliard, Ricky Williams, and Dennis Robin. Nobody thought to call, you know, Harvard and say, hey, I'm giving my money to this woman. Does she actually have a JD? You know, did she actually go, does she have an MBA from Harvard? And who the hell is she? The Opportunist is a cast original podcast. It's produced by me, Hannah Smith, along with Paisha Eaton, Natalie Gregory, Kate Mays, and Sarah Dalglish. Colin Thompson is our executive producer. Anton Doty is our editor. The show is mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Our cover art is by Arvin Lee. Special thanks to Trent K. Maverick. Do you have a suggestion for the show? An opportunist that you want us to cover? You can email us at theopportunist at castmedia.com. Hide me early in the morning No word of warning Of what's to come I'll follow wherever you take me 
If you're enjoying The Opportunist, I would love it so much if you would take a moment, go to wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. Um, It also helps us a lot if you can rate and review the show, specifically on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show. So thank you so, so much. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.